Hello, and welcome back to the Vanquisher's Guide. I'm Randy. And I'm Bryce. And I'm Bradley. Ladies hey, always. As usual. <laughs> Love the sound of your voices. It's good to be back for another episode of Vanquisher's Guide. Boy, howdy is it. Ooh, man, we got a fun one this week. Do we? Is it for uh, real I mean, fun? No, it's actually kind of boring. It's kind of the worst. I don't know. I don't think we've ever had a boring one, honestly. Like, That's a great point. Great point. Tell me uh, what horrors or delights we have for us today. These guys are not the most horrific we talked about, but they are kind of creepy to, to think about. And some of the pictures kind of start to get into the Eldritch Horror-esque. Um, really? This week, yeah. They're, so they're actually kind of neat looking, but they're called Lindworm. So have you guys ever heard of a Lindworm? I have not. No? Um, like... Is this worm with uh, a U or with an O? That is such a question. Uh, it depends on where you're living, because depending really? on who you ask, it's spelled in so many different ways. Sometimes it's spelled with a U, sometimes it's spelled with an O, and sometimes it's spelled in a vastly different way that's just like got seven extra letters in it. So oh. was your it's, question, Bryce, for like the Magic the Gathering worms with a U? Um, it's just like you know, there, there's like the fantasy worm which uh-huh. is like a thing that's gonna kill you and then there's worms that live in your garden you know yes oh, okay. has a garden so the are we talking about something that'll just uh like mulch your soil I... and fertilize your vegetables or is it something that's gonna bite your face off this is funny. gonna bite I, your face I, wait my first thought was fishing even though i'm not someone that would go fishing <laughs> and yours was price was the vegetable which i guess you eat vegetables but like that's like my I've never seen Bryce eat a vegetable, so it's true. I haven't seen me eat one either. <laughs> it's really uh, a mystery why I'm alive. <laughs> Ten questions <laughs> science ca- still can't answer. You're just like, uh, like crazy gaunt. Sorry, I'm I'm going off topic. No, <laughs> I'm just good. imagining this what is... you, I don't even know what you'd look like if you don't eat vegetables, but I'm probably I think dead. You'd be fine. No, I think you'd be pretty fine. You think I think you would just not have teeth. Is really no, because like you might have scurvy. scurvy yeah, scurvy would kick in. You'd lose scurvy all your teeth. Kill you. Wait, isn't that I mean, citrus? Uh, yeah, you're right. But but a lot of vegetables have citrus. You're not even like, eating vegetables. Yeah, like uh, tomatoes have citrus in it. So the more you if know, you're not eating those. Yeah, I know. I only know That's that because I know someone my who's scurvy. allergic to it. Oh, yeah, I, you you <laughs> I know someone with scurvy, and they they have to eat those tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, just eating tomatoes all day. No, they're like allergic to citrus and citric acid so they can't eat tomatoes and i was like mind blown by that when i found Man, out that's rough mm-hmm. i mean i hate tomatoes so it's not that bad but but I mean, anyway like, yeah harsh yeah. harsh diversion. <laughs> the vegetables like <laughs> uh the lindworm answering your question from earlier bryce these are not the small little insect creature in your garden um it is t- hip like the modern version that's in like fantasy and stuff like that is spelled with a u so it's mm-hmm. W-U-R-M, and so it would be L-I-N-D-W-U-R-M, ah. which that's hard to say, W-U. Um, so that's the typical spelling for the modern version. But like I said, back in the day when this was like kind of starting to become a thing and m- many different countries were starting to create ideas for them and starting to spread the idea around and all of the different countries had different spellings for it. So there's... A lot of different sp- spellings you can find out there, depending on the country that you ask. But the modern 
fantasy version and like the kind of collected version is spelled with a U. If but I may, you uh, might. So a worm with a O. This is like uh-huh. current modern day. Is a snake-like body with that's a invertebrate, and it uh, usually is in seg like like its body is separated in segments. You Whereas worm with a U is an endoskeleton, reptilian scales or plates, and has yep. a head similar to a dragon. There you go. Oh. There you go. So mm. that's where you, now it's uh, because these guys are reptilian creatures with an endoskeleton, meaning skeleton on the inside. So they're spelled with a dub- a U. So you guys have now gotten the whole breakdown of how they're pronounced. But do you have any real idea of what they look like? Because when I at first, I did not. I honestly have never heard of these. Yeah, n- nope. Never heard of one? But That's I awesome. mean, I am familiar, like I said, with like, I, I am, can uh-huh. paint a picture in my mind and it might be right. I feel like you're probably close, especially if you know what the, the base creature, like the fantastical creature, the worm is, the W-Y-R-N-M. I don't remember how to spell that one, but if you're familiar with that one, this is very similar. Okay. Uh, So these guys are basically a dragon or dragon-esque creature, um, but they don't have wings and also are missing some legs. Although those different, there's, there's several different variations that change based off of stories. Some of the stories add limbs that the typical one don't have, but typically... The normal, like, bog-standard regulation lindworm is a snake-like body. It's got, like, a really long body with a dragon-like head and two front legs with massive claws on them. Um, that I mean, means who that, even needs back legs? I know, right? That, I mean, they don't, for sure. That, I mean, they don't even use their front legs for walking, even. Uh, they from the way that the stories tell, it seems like they don't even walk on their front legs. They just slither like a snake and use their legs, their front legs just for like traction and That's also attacking funny. and maneuvering if they need to. Yeah. I'm just picturing it in my head and it's not a pretty sight. <laughs> yeah, they're weird looking creatures. I was picture, and... picturing them like Naruto slithering and his hands <laughs> like behind him. And it sounds like he's kind of like pulling slash like... Yeah, yeah. I think it's know. like, because like especially if they're like going through mud or ice or something like that like through water sections as well they'll use their claws to like grab onto things and stabilize themselves as they're slithering along so that way they can kind of go through more rough terrain than a snake normally should be able to go through so they use it to try and like keep grips on stuff as they're as they're slithering along man arm day every day i know they i mean they only got two so yeah these guys typically pretty jacked and they can although their legs are kind of t-rexing it they kind of had sh- have short legs if you do get in too close they could hit you with those those legs and like i said they have pretty big claws on them uh so those you don't want to get too close to their arms because yeah they're pretty ripped and they could tear you apart and they could rip you yeah you got it yeah so <laughs> i think the main sort main purpose of those claws is to help give them that better traction when they're but okay so like i mentioned um, usually these guys don't have wings uh, they typically just have the snake body with two front legs though there are some iterations that give them wings um where like and so like that way 
technically that would put them in a different category of dragons because there's so if, if you're not familiar there's a whole, like web of different categorizations for dragons in fantasy there's like the typical normal dragon that has four legs and a set of wings and then depending on how many limbs and how many wings the creature has it technically puts them into a different category of of creature so mm-hmm. lindworm is the categorization for no wings and one set of front legs even so even though some of the stories do give them wings and whatnot they do still call them lindworms even though according to the modern day categorization they don't actually have that would technically put them into something else so they should by that account be called something different but regardless so are lindworms like a classification they're not so much like a unique species there can be like different varieties of lindworms is that yes yeah so it's like exactly like how there's many different iterations and species of dragons it's the same thing that there's like there's ice lindworms and fire lindworms there's forest lindworms there's lindworms that live in the ocean live in the ground and all kinds of things there's so many different variations and it's very similar just like how dragons have so many different variations based off of where they live or what they do. So yeah, okay. it's it's very similar. It's not just one specific creature. It's more of a a species of creatures. Yeah, especially so. with like, I mean, with how long these things have probably been around, plus oh yeah, all of the different sightings. Uh, I don't want to like, spoil anything from what I've already read down. Spoiled but, uh, like, different parts of the world, how they ceased, and I, I mean that goes to show like every single thing that we've ever talked about, right? With Right. Uh, how different people in different places interpret different things. And so what we have now is just a collection of that. Um, but I yeah. was going to ask with like the forest lindworms, mm-hmm. ice lindworms, is that more of fantasy today or do those exist back then? Too? Um, it's, it seems like it's more become a more specialized thing in fantasy today. Uh, back in the day, there were different, like, so, depending on what area you lived in and what country you lived in, it seemed like the Lindworms would have specialities and, and they mainly, it, it was, it seemed like basically each country had their own special version of Lindworms that they felt like was, that was what they had in the area. So there was specialities back in the day, but that has become even more prevalent as fantasy has kind of taken it over and become, it has become more widespread. So it, it did exist back then. But it seemed like it was more of like a nation-based thing rather than just like an ecological, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I can totally see that. So, and I think it was. I think that was mainly just because as soon as like some people started talking about, oh, there's this creature that exists, then that just became this is the standard for what it is. And so, as word of mouth spread, that would just became what everyone thought of as that creature. But okay. So that being said. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes stories give them wings and sometimes they usually they don't. But something that I found kind of hilarious is although they don't usually have wings in the stories, in most of the stories that give them wings, for some reason, those lindworms that have wings can't fly, even though they have wings. Those (laughs) ones are specifically called out as not being able to fly. And then insulting. (laughs) I know that's what I'm like. They've got wings, but they're worthless. So why even have them? But on the other hand, there's also several stories where the the lindworm is specifically said not to have wings. Like, it's just the same normal snake body with two legs. And yet those ones can fly somehow. And so I think it's kind of 
really hilarious and a little bit insulting saying that Man. it seems like the ones with wings can't fly but the ones sometimes if it has no wings it still can fly but maybe it's like those uh those snakes and like i think it's like the amazon in which they have like they glide special flaps and they glide around uh-huh. but man just imagining one of these guys like <laughs> gliding around just flailing its arms right ridiculous yeah i was thinking uh the caterpillar from bug's life oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just tiny 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 yeah. <laughs> that'd be great and that i mean if they are like that that explains why it wouldn't be able to fly so <laughs> it would make it i feel like that would really take the intimidation factor down several notches be like, I mean, yeah, you can kill me, but you're gonna look dumb while you're doing it. So you can't even be upset. They have like oh, super God. insecurities. People are like, oh, those wings are so cute, and they're like, oh, stop, stop talk about my shaming me. <laughs> Don't look at them. Oh uh, yeah. So despite or regardless of whether they have wings or not, or whether they're tiny or not, they usually and the standard is that they can't fly even though some of the stories they can, but usually they can't. Uh, but one thing that is pretty universal across most of the stories is that they have some form of poison breath or uh, like an aura of kind of death and decay around them. And everything just so, has bad breath. Yeah, I know. I, for whatever reason, like the worst thing to come across <laughs> in those days was like something with super bad breath. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, and we'll talk about that, like, another property of them that might have kind of counter back or counterbalanced this point. But back in that day, medicine wasn't super strong. It wasn't a big thing. And so if you got sick back then, it was basically a really slow, painful death sentence. So something breathing poison, something that's going to make you sick is kind of the worst because it's just going to mean that you're going to get sick and then slowly die. After, over and then you'll have bad several breath, weeks and then you'll yeah. pass that to someone else and they'll get the bad breath exactly and then there's the Everyone chance that you'll has poison start breath. spreading it so <laughs> oh man i mean to i guess fair. i can see that that does yeah. sound pretty terrifying poison and and like diseases back then were probably like the worst thing possible because there was just no way for them to try and deal with it there wasn't really medicine or like that but that being said the lindworm has kind of a counter to its own poison breath. I mean, I say counter, it's not really fully, but uh, there were stories, apparently, that supposedly if you were to get a hold of its shed skin, uh, I don't know if it was by eating it or by wearing it or how, but supposedly the skin of the lindworm is supposed to greatly increase someone's a person's knowledge about nature and medicine. So... Hmm. Theoretically, if if your friend gets poisoned by a lindworm, maybe you can get their skin and get enough knowledge about medicine to be able to helpfully, hopefully help your friend or family member that got poisoned. So I'm does that sure mean how the lindworm works. has a knowledge in nature and medicine? Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. maybe that's why it's immune to its own poison. It just like it knows enough about medicine and nature that it just eats a specific thing that gives it poison immunity. I don't know. Or maybe this is the other way around, that it knows enough about nature that it just eats something specific that gives it poison breath. I don't know. <laughs> but that was just the, uh, the apparently the stories that came around was that their skin is super valuable for that. And kind of along that same vein, um, another nickname for lindworms were actually white worms. 
I'm not really sure why, because I couldn't really find any explanations for it. It just seemed like some people would refer to them that way, but there was never really like why they were called that way, because as far as I'm aware, they're not specifically white. They're, they're never really said to be any color in particular. But regardless, the, the theory was that these white worms, also known as a lindworm, are also, if you saw them, signs of good luck. However, I think uh, if you see them maybe from a distance, they're good luck. Because if you see them too close, then that's bad luck because now you're going to die. But Yeah, like, I mean, if you're hiking in the woods and you see a bear, I don't think that's really good luck. You know? <laughs> as long as it's not coming at you, maybe it is. Maybe I it's mean, good luck because you saw it and you didn't die. And so you're like, hey, my luck's coming up because I, I just say, saw a deadly creature and I'm fine. I would say that's still bad because then that means that there could be more in the area you know that's true so if that's you see true. a lindworm you could be like oh it's great but i'd be like nah man what if there's a whole nest of them somewhere and you're just like treading in their turf well that being said i think from all of the stories that i've read it sounds like these guys are main are relatively solitary creatures there's almost uh, never multiple in an area they seem to be completely alone in in, in all of the stories that i've read so i it doesn't sound like you really need to worry about dealing with multiple of them at a time there's usually only ever going to be one in an area and i think that's probably just because they're so ag aggressive and they eat so much that like an area just couldn't sustain multiple of them so i don't know if they would necessarily okay. attack each other but it's just they couldn't live off of the land if there was multiple in the area so and there's actually been there's actually several stories we'll get to later where just after a couple of years of the lindworm being in the area an entire town and region is completely destitute and like starving to death just because this lindworm is in the area Jeez. and just killing everything. So, yeah. And with that, how about how their appetite is pretty insatiable? Their main source of food and diet is ox specifically. I'm not sure why specifically ox and humans, of course, because gotta have a nice human. And then for some reason, they also seemed to. Like, in desperate times, I guess, if they're really hungry, they would go into churchyards or anywhere that, like, there was graves. But specifically back in the day, people were got buried in churchyards. And they would dig up people's graves and eat the dead bodies in graveyards. Wow. Mm -hmm. I got to get away nutritional Very nutritional skeletons. Seriously, that's where I'm like, it, a fresh corpse, maybe that would have, maybe that's fine. But, like, feel like you'd only get one or two bodies in a graveyard that would actually be worth eating and the rest would all just be skeleton so you wouldn't get any nutritional value but yeah i mean who am i, who am I to say i don't know maybe their digestive system works different i would imagine that all of those bodies in the graveyard are um maybe uh extremely expired <laughs> hey maybe that's where their poison breath comes from eating all yeah. of the dead bodies good point maybe they just love carrying and that's what uh, yeah gives them and, uh, what's kind of interesting is uh in christianity but especially in early christianity uh mm -hmm. unburying dead was a sign of uh like evil and like, oh yeah it was, it, like they would have seen that as you're taking these people away from uh i guess that was mm -hmm. Catholic faith so like purgatory or whatever and stopping them from being able to get to heaven and so yeah. if you wanted to demonize someone you would spread rumors or 
uh, tell stories of how something, you know, if, if you want to make something evil, that's exactly the way you do that. And so it's pretty Absolutely. interesting that, like, that they, you know, this this thing is related to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's even saying you're not, like, safe in death. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a great point because in several stories we'll get to in a minute, they actually, almost all of the countries uh, that talk about in the the stories that exist of these guys, most of them, they're bad, but most of them are actually even like religiously evil. Um, they're either demonic or some of them say that they're specifically demons. And in some of them, they're, they're not, not so much like demonic creatures, but just opposing creatures to like life and creation. So it seems like most cultures agree that these things, if not directly evil, are definitely not great. So yeah, you're totally right that it seems like most people just didn't like these guys. I don't, I, I mean, eating bodies, that's not great, but it doesn't sound terrible. They seem like normal guys, but mm-hmm. to each their own, I suppose. <laughs> but that being said, um, there's several really cool stats. Like, so the origin of where these guys comes from is really kind of neat, and it's pretty, really old. Uh, there's runestones in Sweden dating back all the way to the 11th century that have carvings and artwork of lindworm on them. And they're actually really cool. And like, like, so, you know, like some, like a lot of archeologists and stuff like that, they'll find like a depiction, like a carving on a like, oh, this is this creature, whatnot, or this, these people showing this thing. And you're like looking at that wall and you're like, I guess, I, I mean, sure, maybe. And it's a little bit like kind of, if you squint your eyes, maybe. Uh, this these depictions of the lindworm from these runestones are not like that at all. They are very detailed and very obviously a serpent-like creature, of, at the very least, if not a lindworm specifically, that because of how they seem to have two legs and are serpent-like creatures. So oh, I think it's yeah. pretty neat. It's like it's more detailed than most of like the old carvings back in the day. Yeah, they really spend like a lot of time and effort on that. Yeah, cool. so it seems like these guys started, it's kind of confusing where, but it sounds like they started out somewhere in the Sweden area uh, with these drawings and these carvings on But the first official word for them that we found is actually found in Germany. Uh, it sounds like Germany made the first official word for the lindworm because before that, I guess everyone was just calling them serpents or whatever but in germany they actually they created the word the phrase lindworm from their root word lindy or something like that i'm not super confident this is especially i'm not confident in german in in general but this is especially old high german which is like german from that 11th century 12th century time frame so it's really old Uh, Mm -hmm. but that word means soft or mild and then there's also an English word that has a very similar look called that is a, a variation of the modern word lithe, meaning agile or, or like that, or that word. So I couldn't think of a simile or another word meaning agile. So regardless, um, but so the original word of uh, soft and mild in old German, and then the additional word of worm, which was their kind of word for a serpent or a snake 
And so combining those two together, because it's like a soft, like snake-like creature, it became a lindworm. And that's where uh-huh. the original first word for the lindworm came from, which was Germany. And then after years, it sounds like, they, it just kind of started spreading around. And then as they started to use that word to describe these carvings slash these creatures that they supposedly were finding, other creatures or other cultures started creating their own words for it as well. They're variations of the same thing. Um, Swedish, this, the Swedish culture created their word for it, which was kind of looked like Lindormber. And the Danish also created a word for it, which was Lindorm. And then Iceland created their word for it as well, which it was, looks like Lindormer. So they're all very similar like names for it that mean basically the same thing, but just translate a little bit differently for their specific language. Yeah, looks like everybody, everybody had their own. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And it just spread throughout Europe as they these creatures became more and more popular in that era. But yeah, so they've been around for years and people have been using them whether just as a fun little graffiti picture to draw on or as an actual like real creature that they claim to be believe in who's to say but they've been around forever for since the 11th century at least if not longer um but even getting further in time and more recently there's even still some uh depictions of them in more modern cities well I say modern with like a little bit of a asterisk on it because now in the 16th century in, uh, in Austria, there's a city called uh, Klagenfurt and there's actually a fort there that has a fountain out front of it that is made to look like a lindworm. And so it's actually kind of, uh, kind of neat. It looks like a snake look like guy with two legs and he's shooting water out of his mouth into the fountain. So, oh, is that like a yeah. very big fountain? Do you know, or is that like a pretty small one? I I could not tell the scale from the pictures that I found. It I couldn't. There wasn't really anything nearby that gave it a sense of scale for it. But it seemed like it was a pretty decently sized uh, fountain. It had another person, like a statue of a guy, standing next to it. So it seemed like it was pretty big. If that statue was like the average statue like height of you know like statues are usually pretty big. Mm-hmm. So if that if that person was a, the normal big person statue like then it was probably a pretty big guy but like i said the pictures that i found online it was almost always like a direct on picture of the fountain with nothing really in the background so i couldn't there was nobody like standing next to it or anything like that oh, no like banana for scale or anything <laughs> i wish i don't know maybe it's so big that like the banana the banana was in screen but you just couldn't see it i don't oh, know dang but I kind of a cool thing about that, the statue, though, is uh, so the skull, the head of that statue for or of the fountain of that lindworm, the head was modeled off of the skull of a woolly rhinoceros that was found in a quarry nearby that town in the year 1335. Oh, wow. So, yeah, the actual first like sculpture of a lindworm is based off of a woolly rhinoceros. That they found oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, yeah, they probably thought it was like an actual like lindworm. Yeah, they're just like, "Yo, this is a crazy creature. This has got to be this," and so they made a statue off of it. But and uh, it's now being quoted as being the earliest reconstruction of an ic- extinct animal, although not the correct animal. They still they were trying. 
They did their best. They did, they did their best. <laughs> they, they were constructing something. Yeah, yeah. They're trying their very best if they they could. But uh, also, really cool thing. I don't know why everyone felt the need to bring this guy up, but in the 19th century, there was an English archaeologist named Charles Boutel, I think is how you say his name. Um, I could be wrong, but he in ev- almost every article I found had a quote that apparently he people asked him all the time about lindworms. And he always said that a lindworm is basically a, quote, dragon without wings. So wow. there you go. You even got Charles Boutel's word on it. He's thrown in his two cents of the he's word the of an archaeologist. Of, he's the definition of one hit wonder. Yeah. That was his only claim to fame is giving a definition of a lindworm. No, that's not true. I'm sure he did something. I just it's I don't that know that's why the inscription on his gravestone. <laughs> it just seems like so simple, you know. It's just yeah. like dragon no wings, that's it. There you go. End of story <laughs> done. Everybody like, stop asking me. It's not that hard. It's just a dragon without wings, guys. Chill. So, I don't know why an archaeologist was uh, specializing in lindworm descriptions, but I guess now we got his description. Hey, so. so someone has to. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> if he's not gonna, then who who would? Somebody's got to take the bullet for humanity. Mm-hmm. But so that's kind of like the description of the history of lindworms and what they look like. But that being said, there's tons of like really cool stories that have spread throughout the world, and each like nation seems to have, and each country specifically seems to have their own special stories of lindworms that are pretty unique. And some of them are like, I had never heard of. And then obviously there's some that are like, especially the Norse mythology stories. I kind of heard sto- like a version of those stories, but I had never really known all about it. So it's kind of neat. There's actually an Austrian story from the 13th century that talks about a lindworm that lived nearby that fort. That we were talking about the fort that has the fountain there. There mm-hmm. was back, I think this was before they built the uh, actual fountain. Actually, it was several centuries before, supposedly, that they built that fountain. There was a flood that was in the area. Apparently, the river in the area had flooded over and was causing a lot of problems. And everybody in the town in, in the area was blaming a lindworm for it. They they thought that there was must have been like a lindworm, I guess, in the river or crossing the river like a dam or something, and it was causing a bunch of flooding in the area. Oh, and really? so yeah, I know, right? So <laughs> there was a, a a duke in the area that offered a reward to anyone who could capture it and or kill it. He didn't seem to be super specific, so I guess people took the easiest option they could. Dead or uh, alive. Exactly. So they there was a couple of young men that decided to go and try and kill, capture this lindworm. So their plan was to get a bull and chain the bull up with, I guess, chains or whatever. I don't know how if they wrapped it just around its neck or if they had a collar on this thing. Uh, but then they let the bull out running around in the area that they thought the lindworm was. And when the lindworm came along and ate the bull, then they basically had it like trapped like a fish. Like it was basically like using a fishing hook and fishing in the ocean. And so then they had it on this chain and they were to pull it in and like kind of wrestle it around and then they killed it. So dang, they, that was how they trapped this lindworm and were able to get the Duke's reward for it though. I, I don't know if he was paying more for the capture, but 
there seems to be no body for that thing. So no physical evidence. I don't know if it's true. I mean, I don't want to be a downer, but the fact that this creature is able to both swallow a bull and be pulled in by a couple of young men kind of doesn't match up. I mean, it was distracted. Maybe it just didn't realize what was happening. It just allowed itself to get. Yeah, it was busy. But that being said, the next story does have a little bit more. uh, uh, the, The Lindworm puts a little bit more fight in and it has a bit longer of a of a life to it so at least there are some that can fight there are some that can put up a a wrestle but good because that last one was a quarter man <laughs> he was at the end of his life he was old he didn't know what was going on he was blind ah uh, it's not enough. his fault yeah <laughs> that was that was why he was actually so old he was lazy and he just laid across the river and just fell asleep and that's why everyone was having a problem with him because he just didn't know what was going on <laughs> You know how, like, dogs, when they get old, they just get lazy and lay around all day? Same with these guys, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, so there's a story from Northern Europe now, uh, not too far away from Austria, that there, there's a full legend about it called the Legend of the Lambden Worm. And so in this story, they specifically call this creature a worm, though the way that they describe its anatomy, it's, again, also, it's actually a lindworm. But in the story, they always just call it a worm. But they describe it as being a serpent-like monster with the head of a salamander and then two legs. And so the serpent was caught in the local river nearby called the River Ware, W-E-A-R. And it was caught by a young lord who decided that one day on the Sabbath, he didn't want to go to church. So instead of going fishing, he just, or sorry, instead of going to church, he decided to go fishing instead. Uh, and I can't really blame him, though I don't think I would choose fishing, but I can get behind just not wanting to be at church. So it's while he was uh, on his way to get to uh, start fishing, it was either while he was setting up or while he was in the middle of fishing, changes depending on tales, but a old lady or a, a wizard or some kind of wise figure came up to him and told him that no good would come from fishing while on the, while during the Sabbath, and he was like, yeah, whatever, who cares, and ignored him, and he kept fishing, and so while he was fishing, as long as, like, while church was going, he didn't catch an enti- a single fish the entire day, but ironically, as soon as church ended, he caught a fish, the first fish for the day, and so the fish that he caught was actually a three-foot-long, or thereabouts, eel-looking-like creature, and when he caught that, that same old wizened creep like guy that had talked to him earlier came up and said that that uh eel like creature that he caught was no good and was cursed and so he thought of course it must be the devil uh or a, or a demon at the very least so his natural inclination was to try and throw this devil away so he threw it into the local well which wow. <laughs> yeah feels like a choice wow man but... i wonder people got sick in the old days they just created drinking water like a dumpster they're just tossing whatever they want into the well because they're like, ah, it's fine. Nothing, nothing comes back from down there. Sounds totally safe. So the guy throws this, quote unquote, what he thought was a demon down into the well and job's done. No need to worry about it anymore. Forgets about it. And years later, after he had grown up, gotten older and decided that, you know what? He had made mistakes in his youth. 
he realized that he was like a rebellious teen and he needed to kind of repent. So he decided as penance, he was going to go join the Crusades. So this nobleman left town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. What better way to pay for your sins than joining the Crusades? Mm -hmm. Uh, So he, he left town. And after he was gone for a couple of years, the lindworm, lo and behold, that creature that he had thrown into the well had grown up and was now massive. And it came out of the well and started terrorizing the countryside. It was killing the ox and the livestock in the area. It was eating children and it was just, it was a menace. So yeah, yeah, this went on for several years. Um, Close to around four years, at least that this creature was just kind of terrorizing the area. And by the time after those four years passed, the nobleman came back to town because I guess the crusades were done or he was tired of crusading, I suppose. Uh, and he came back to town and realized that like the entire area and specifically his town and his father's estates were like destitute or, or close to it anyway. Like every, the entire area was just going into dire straits. Everyone was starving. It was horrible. So he realized, Oh crap. What a, what a mistake I made. And he met up with that same wise old person that told him not to go fishing on Sunday or on the Sabbath years ago. And that wise person told him again that it was his responsibility to deal with this creature because he was the one who made it, kind of. And so they told him to make spiked armor by sticking spearheads to his armor and that he then also needed to go and kill the serpent in the river that he had originally got it from. So the river where. And also the wise person put on a caveat to the, the tail or the instructions that after he killed the lindworm he also had to kill the next living creature that he saw and if he didn't his family would be cursed for nine generations that they would not die in their beds so that that's like the direct quote of they would not die in their beds i think that that just generally means that they would die young they wouldn't die of old age in their beds they would like die some horrific fashion when they were young and still out about doing stuff they wouldn't have like a peaceful death or anything. Exactly. Yeah. So he decides, okay, sounds good. He goes to his dad to arrange a plan. The plan was that he was going to go and kill the lindworm. And after he killed the lindworm, he was going to blow his horn three times. And his dad would then release a dog to go to him. And then the son would kill that dog. And then that was going to be the second creature that he killed and then avoid the curse. So the kid, the son goes to kill the lindworm and struggled for a while. They were tussling in the river. And apparently the purpose for the spiked armor was because the lindworm tried to constrict him and the spiked armor just like poked the lindworm. And so it gave up on that strategy. So Uh there was a purpose for that, I guess. It wasn't just to look like a metal album cover. (laughs) No, (laughs) unfortunately, though, maybe that's where that originates from. Everyone's just trying to imitate the the lindworm slayer. But, and that was the purpose for that. And then the purpose for fighting in the river was because, according to the story, every time you cut off a piece of the lindworm, it would fall to the ground and then just, like, suck back up onto the creature and, like, rejoin and, like, heal itself. The, the creature would heal. And Dang. so if you fought it in the river, when you chopped pieces off of the creature, those pieces would float down river before they could reattach to the, themselves to the creature. And so it would just, it couldn't heal. So 
he was fighting in the river and the creature was just getting weaker and weaker and weaker as he fought and finally he killed it and apparently it was a really hard fought battle because when the son blew his horn three times the dad totally forgot the the plan and ran to his son because he's like hooray the guy's the creature's dead and so the next the second living creature that the son saw was his dad so rather than killing his dad which i mean good son he didn't kill his dad however unfortunately he didn't kill his dad so he ended up incurring that curse on his family and his family was cursed to be able to not or like they would all for nine generations would not die in their beds and according to stories that, that people have actually tracked that lineage down and it actually was nine generations of people that didn't that like died in really horrific ways when they were young oh jeez. So, yeah it's actually kind of crazy yeah and supposedly the last person like the ninth generation the he died when he was on the road traveling but the brother of that guy always kept a whip by his bed so that way he could protect himself in case somebody tried to come at him while he was <laughs> sleeping so he was really paranoid apparently Dang. But, I mean, like yeah. that's like a that's like a pretty neat story. But man, that father or that nobleman, or I guess the nobleman man's father had like one job: just I don't know. run to his son, send the dog, and do that. I know, and that's really. But to be fair, I don't think it really bothered. Like the the curse didn't seem to really affect the dad because he was already old, so he didn't seem to care, which is kind of a jerk move from his dad, but. It did, the curse only really affected the younger generations, so maybe his dad was like, ah, I don't care. Not worried about it. I don't think it's real. Man, that'd be so freaking rude. Screw him, then. <laughs> He's like, ah, it's not real, and I'm willing to take the chance that it's not real on my kid's life, so who cares? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's kind of a neat story, though, of the origins of, like, you kind of see the entire life cycle of this lindworm, and also, like I was mentioning earlier, you can also see how much just one lindworm can affect an entire region like the entire town was just dying and starving to death slash being eaten from this creature being in the area and like i skipped over it a little bit but while the uh young lord was at like off in the crusades fighting tons of different warriors went to try and kill this lindworm and nobody could kill it so it, it was a pretty mean creature and what quite a feat to try and bring this thing down so it's uh, I think it's pretty neat and shows how powerful these guys are. Yeah, well, I mean, the ability to like just resuck up parts to yourself, yeah, if they get chopped off is pretty powerful. It's yeah, like, for no real, that trouble for real. But and then uh, there's a one more quick story that I'll go through that is kind of a little bit strange. This is from Scandinavia, Scandinavian folklore, and it's called the Prince Lindworm. So, this one they specifically call it a lindworm, though it's not actually a lindworm because this one they describe as a half man half snake um but this uh-huh. story has a, a queen that one it can't have kids and she wants to have children obviously so she goes to a wise woman again as they all did back in the day and she asks how she can have children and the lady says that she needs to eat two onions to be able to have children and so, of course, she does, but she makes the mistake of, like, a psychopath not peeling the first onion. What the I don't know heck? why. <laughs> I know. 
That's so gross. I know. I, I mean, never... like eating onions is bad enough. But Seriously, like... but then not peeling it? Like, what the oh, heck? God. That's so gross. That's so. Like a... That's like somebody eating like walnuts and just not like cracking. You know, <laughs> I was gonna say it's like eating a watermelon just from the outside. Like I don't need to cut it; just eat it like that. Eat it like an apple. Jeez, yeah. what a psychopath! Like you're saying. I know. So not only did she eat onions, which wow, that's I mean not the most desperate thing I've heard someone try to do to have kids, but that's close. Uh, but not only did she eat onions, but she didn't peel the first one, and because of that, her firstborn child was a lindworm the half man half snake creature however she did peel kind of makes sense though yeah Um, right to cut off because like they do have like arms right right give it a human head instead of a dragon head and yeah yeah it does make sense to a degree it's just like especially with the way the story goes it's a little bit strange but i mean it does make sense especially we'll see as the story goes on the way that the not peeling the onion the that really has a big effect on why the creature was born as a lindworm but so then the second kid that she had she did peel the the onion for that kid and so he was born quote perfect in every way and so that's kind of a really kick in the teeth for the brother (laughs) like yeah you are a monstrosity and your brother he's perfect in every way nothing he's a gold in every way like congratulations you're Man, the worst. That's so weird. Like just that exact phrasing totally mm-hmm. reminds me of like the Mad Max movie. If you've seen that, I don't remember them them oh, uh, referencing that. I don't know. It's like, the first one or the second one. It's there's not a second one yet. Well, well but, um, I guess the original Mad versus Max, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Yeah, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. Like uh, there's this like weird like mutant dude, and he's like super strong. Gotcha. And like. Uh, he knows he's gonna have a baby brother, but it ends up dying. Oh and right! So then the dude's like, "My baby brother, he was perfect oh, in every yeah. way." <laughs> right? Yes. Just imagining, like, you know, there's like the Lindworm child, and he's uh-huh. like, stop rubbing it in, mom. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm the worst. Thanks, mom. But so to add insult to injury to this poor half-born child, like the Lindworm guy. To really rub salt in his wounds, the his younger brother, his perfect younger brother, grew up and he set out to try and get married. He was trying to find a woman. However, the older brother, the Lindworm brother, said that demanded that his younger brother was not allowed to get married until he got married. So, oh boy, kind of a little bit of a diva. Oh, but the mom was like, "All right, fine, we'll work on that." So she sent out a proclamation to start bringing maidens in to try and impress him and try and find one that would that he would be willing to marry slash also that she would be willing to marry him. Uh, however, every maiden that was brought to him, he just ate because why not? So apparently none of them pleased him, so he just ate them in re- response. But oh. yeah, then there was one girl. It was a shepherd's daughter. She actually spoke to the same wise woman that the mom did. And she was told that when she went to go meet him, she should wear every single dress that she owns. And so that's what she did. She showed up wearing every dress she owns. And when she showed up, the Lindworm uh, son said, asked her to remove her dress, which what a, what a statement. Come on, dude, have some class. Yeah, for real, man. What? 
But she responded that she would take off a dress for every layer of like skin that he removed, like for like shed every time he would shed. shed. Because remember, he's half snake. So they started going back and forth. She would take off a dress. He would shed one time. And when she removed her final dress, he removed, he shed the last time and removed, revealed his true normal human form underneath of it all. Turns out he was just like a normal human with a bunch of snake layers over top of him. He was just crusty. Exactly. And I guess that's, I don't know. Does that make that worse that he ate everybody else? I, make them a cannibal? I think so. Yeah. Yes, I mean, like, he does. either I way, it's awful. Know. But then, but, like, now you're just totally freaked up, man. Yeah. But so uh, they ended up living happily ever after, I suppose. And uh, I guess that that's where, like I was saying earlier, the not peeling the onion, that was where my head got confused. Uh, not peeling the onion in the beginning, I think, I guess, is what caused him to have like all of those layers of a of snake like an onion does. And so he just had to peel off those layers of snake to get to the onion, the normal human version of himself down in underneath. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the story. It's a little bit creepy and the t- shows the really cruel, like, stick views that uh, men had on, or that people had for women back in the day. But, I yeah. mean, I guess, I guess they lived happily ever after, right? But, when in doubt, wear a hundred dresses. When in doubt, wear every dress you own. Yeah, just that's in like case. A, that's like an, I don't know, that's not really a happy ending to me. The dude's I mean, she like, didn't get eaten. So that's where that's where happy ending. She didn't get eaten. <laughs> yeah, but she married a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows which how many other maidens he ate, he ate. So yeah. which would you rather, marry a cannibal or be eaten by a cannibal? I mean, it's a toss up, but I feel like I'd rather survive. But I guess and maybe that was maybe that was his snake half. Maybe after he became human, he was like, ah man, cannibal's not for me. That was my snake <laughs> half talking there. <laughs> I've made oh, mistakes good. in my youth. I apologize. Is he gonna go join the Crusades? <laughs> Who's to say? <laughs> don't don't count him out. He might. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But so then the last one uh, for you, Brad. I I thought this story you would love because it involves your favorite guy ever, Ragnar Lothbrok. I know he's he's the best, and this is his origin story of how he got <laughs> <Okay>. his name. <laughs> I bet you don't know this story. Bet you don't know the story of his his uh, name. Um, so this is from Norse mythology, and uh, there's a guy who told a story of the way that Ragnar Lothbrok got his name, and also was able to marry his wife uh, Thora in this story. Um, and so Ragnar was just like a kind of famous legendary king in Denmark at the time, and there was a lady at the, that lived around in the area named Thora. And when she was a baby, her dad gave her a gift of a lindworm because why not? And that's yeah. really like a white elephant gift. Like, oh, it really bites, meaning, you know, it really turns around and bites the dad in the back because as the lindworm grew older, it eventually took the daughter hostage. It As she got older, it, the lindworm also grew up and took her hostage and demanded that every day he be supplied with a new ox for him to eat or else he would eat the daughter. Oh. So, yeah, choices. But I guess that, that uh, the ransom wasn't taken kindly because soon after he demanded that, a brave young man came along named Ragnar, and he was wearing fur trousers. And so he decided he was going to kill the 
the Lindworm and free Thora, and by pure concentrated power of will, he did. <laughs> and he killed the Lindworm and freed Thora. She then married him because what else do you do with your freer uh, or with your rescuer? And he also, at the same time, earned his by name Lothbrook because that translates to Harry Britches, apparently. Oh. And so he got his, his name Ragnar Lothbrook because he's Ragnar Harry Britches. Wow. There you go. Ragnar means like warrior. So his name is yeah. literally like, uh, like warrior shaggy pants or Harry Britches <laughs> or something. Yeah. And there you go. Man, this That's... dude must have had some pants, dude. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they were like... He's like the, the... MC Hammer of his time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was the uh, quick story of where the the Ragnar Lothbrook story or name came from, which uh, if you've ever seen the, story, the show Vikings, the main character in that is Ragnar Lothbrook. Or for a little bit, he's the main character anyway. And... Uh, I mean, I didn't. He could just leave the show. He could just be like, "Yeah, all right, guys, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm retiring now." Yeah, you don't know Everyone why else. he leaves. Maybe, yeah. maybe he just uh, he's done with Vikings. He's just yeah. like, you know what? I've raided enough. Becomes a monk. I've, I've done. He converts to Christianity and becomes a monk. Puts yeah. down the the axe and <laughs> settles his differences peacefully now over debate. So that's uh that's I had only ever heard of Ragnar Lothbrok from that, but apparently there was a story of him killing. That show is like five percent accurate. Oh yeah, I'm sure, but <laughs> it's still. I mean, it's cool to like that was the first time I had ever heard of him, and then I was like, oh cool, there's like other stories of this guy before, or other than the show. That's neat. I thought that they just like made up creep people, but apparently some of the people in the show actually have original stories, but. Mm -hmm. And then in Norse mythology, there's actually a couple of famous lindworms that uh, are mythologically important. Uh, one of them is, uh, his name is Nidhogg. I, I don't know how to pronounce it like specifically in like Norse, like the original way, but like the Americanized version is Nidhogg. And that's the creature that is like coiled around the base of the world tree. And he's chewing on the roots of the uh, tree. And then there's also the dragon or the the lindworm Fafnir, and that used to be a a dwarf that turned into a dragon. And uh -huh. this, it specifically both of those guys are technically lindworms based off of their descriptions. So uh -huh. yeah, interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. Is Nidhogg just a naughty boy? He's just chewing on stuff. He's yeah. Not supposed I don't. To be I on. don't know what this. And Brad, you might know better the significance of why he's chewing on the roots of the. Three? Yeah, the uh, world tree signifies like uh, signifies all of the different worlds and everything. Right, and him chewing on that represents basically just the chaos in between worlds. And okay, why. there you go. I, I, at least that's what I have heard. Um, gotcha. I don't know specifically about Nidhogg, uh, right? But that would make sense to me from mm. what I know. And uh, then supposedly Nidhogg, when uh, Ragnarok comes along and finally gets underway uh, supposedly nidhogg comes out from underneath of the tree and is supposed to help the i think jotuns uh with uh ragnarok and he's supposed to help on join on their side supposedly from what i've read anyway but yeah that so, so stacked. i know right <laughs> it's it's really kind of unfair but it's pretty neat and then uh last but not least uh they're actually in 
fairly modern day history actually have been some people hunting for uh, lindworms. And this was actually all the way in the 19th century. There was a, a Swedish folklorist that was going around hunting for lindworms. And his name was uh, Gunnar Olaf Hilton Cavalius. I may have totally butchered that name. I apologize. I, I'm Big not Swedish. Cabbage. Yeah. But he lived uh, back in like 1800s era. And he was trying to gather stories of like legendary creatures, especially in Sweden. And so he went to a town in Sweden trying to ask any, anybody if they had seen giant snakes or lindworms in the area. And he even got so far as gathering 50 eyewitnesses that claimed to have seen lindworms. And he offered a cash reward to capture the specimen dead or alive. Uh, but unfortunately, he never got a specimen. Nobody was able to capture one. And he ended up just kind of becoming the joke of like the scientific community and like all of the scholars in the area oh, thought he was no. just kind of an idiot. And so it was considered a cryptozoologist defeat because he was never able to actually find it. But after that guy's like plans kind of fell apart, the rumors of lindworms existing in Sweden and in, especially in that area kind of fell apart and fell off. Nobody really was talking about them anymore. But Dang, he got, man. He got people really excited for a minute there. So... It sounds like he kind of got baited, man. I know. Like, he's like hearing all this ruckus about lindworms, and then he goes there and investigates, and it was like, yeah, I saw one, but nobody it, could find so it. It's crazy. And yeah. then like he gets like ridiculed, and then everybody else is like, lindworms? Never heard of them. No, what, what are you talking, talking about? about? This guy's crazy. <laughs> Did you hear this guy? He's talking about this creature that doesn't exist. Nobody's talked about that before. But How rude. Yeah, so poor guy got got lied to and became kind of the joke of Scott of Swedish scholars, but he tried his best, man. He was, he was out there in the field getting it dirty, trying to find creatures. So yeah. A for I effort, wonder like man. what, yeah. what like crypto hunting looks like. Uh, I mean, have you ever seen those TV shows like finding yeah. Bigfoot? Yeah. I, I, that's all I can I go off of. I think. Oh so, man. They're so them. good. It's like a lot of like trekking around in pitch black wilderness with night vision cameras aimed at your face and just being. Did you hear that? I was gonna say the exact same thing. I was I was thinking like a lot of like like door to door knocking and be like, no. Have you seen a? <laughs> Have you yeah. seen this man? Oh uh, yeah. So that's lindworms for you. They're um, uh, creatures that are. I mean, it's basically just a, a weird variety at. As Mr. Uh, Charles Boutel says, it's basically just a dragon without wings. It's not that special. But I mean, what I, do you even need us here for? <laughs> I know. Really? That's <laughs> all it is. Just just go with his word. Job's done. Episode's over. But I think they're a really cool guy, really cool creature that has some really neat history and and stories across so many different cultures. So yeah. I think it's I think it's neat to see how it's spread across Europe. It fills out fills out a cool, interesting gap that I feel like we miss a lot of times because with a lot of mythological creatures and stuff, it ends kind of you know around like the fifteenth century, and it's like way before that, or right. it's more like modern day. And so I feel like the time period of this is kind of nicely set in a in a period where we don't really have as much. Right. Yeah. During middle of Crusade time, best time in yeah. history. 
Oh yeah. man. Well, well. Strong <laughs> asterisks on that. Not true, but. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like I, I think that like by even a larger extent, I'd love to see like the expanded like dragon-esque creatures that aren't exactly dragons you know because we see yeah. lots of dragons there's dragons in lord of the rings there's dragons in like um, game of thrones <laughs> and like all that type of stuff but you never really see like lindworms or like yeah. any of like the other varieties with like yeah that you were true. talking about yeah you, you usually only see like the two classic varieties of dragons which is like the four-legged with a set of wings or the two-legged with a set of wings that's pretty much all you ever see in in like media yeah and so it'd be really it's cool lame, to start seeing these other versions that are like they not only do they look very different but because of their different anatomy they would have to act and fight so differently it would be so cool yeah it's just so, like liven up like a, a fantasy world like so absolutely. much but so yeah the, like maybe maybe we can start a petition to have new works of media with these guys with different dragons in them not just the Lindworm representation man yeah Come on. <laughs> let's put lindworms into the next uh mission impossible let's start putting yeah. them in media oh my gosh even if they don't have dragons let's put them in there anyway but so i think that'll do it for the this week uh for us thanks for listening uh yes, make sure to make sure to listen to or uh, go check out our tiktok Brad's been working really hard. It's super awesome. We've got tons of really cool <laughs> videos. It's hilarious. It's just banger after banger over there. So much um, quality content. It's nothing you but flatter gold. me. So check out TikTok. You'll love it. I'm sure. It's uh yeah. Make sure to share the podcast with people that might absolutely find worms interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone who's a big fan of if fantasy novels or fantasy in general, if they have read or watched game of thrones or lord of the rings or something maybe they'd be interested in hearing about other types of dragons other things out there but make sure to if you uh want to if they're you're on a platform that has the ability to rate us we'd, we'd really appreciate a rating as well but yeah other than that we'll see you i think next week